Hey guys, today we're going to sit down with Lyle Henley. Lyle is the Director of Strength and Conditioning here at UAB Football. Wonderful, wonderful human being. So the goal here today is to figure out what his world looks like, but also kind of take a deep dive into someone that works their butt off and is super successful, but also how they take their life, they balance their life with being a father and being a husband. What we're also going to do is we're going to talk about his journey. Lyle's journey is really, really kind of unique, and it just goes to show the connections that he made and how he leveraged those connections to the success that he had because he's been in the private sector. He's also been where he's worked for somebody. He's been in and out of that a couple of times, and so it's really, really good. So join us today as we talk to Lyle. Thank you for joining us on the Entrepreneur Dad Podcast, where we talk to entrepreneurs, high-level executives, and overall just people that are working their butt off to make a great living for themselves. In this, what we do is we examine their journey, their ups, their downs, their transitions, and also how to remain great spouses and loving parents while managing a full daily schedule. Thank you so much, and I hope you get tons of value out of your time with us. So you're here at UAB. Give me an idea of how, what the daily thought process. Let's talk about in season first. Yes. In season first, what's the what's the daily what's the day look like for you? In season, I mean, you're getting here, uh, you know, five in the morning. Okay. You're getting everything prepped and ready for the day. You're starting the beginning of the day with a developmental group because in people think about in season of yep. you know we kind of back off the guys in season it can end up being a 16 week cycle for you so it's your longest uninterrupted training period yes. you have right and the most people don't look at it like that so that's the time of the year when our young when our team is built from the young guy up so you used a word that a lot of people are not going to know and I understand developmental so what do you mean developmental these, group these are guys that come in usually younger guys or junior college guys that are going to red shirt or have to sit out a year maybe for whatever, for whatever reason and so they're they are lifting four to five days a week and practicing, but they're not traveling on the road with the right. team. So their their daily thought process, as far as training is concerned, looks different than the, than the right. start and left tackle. Right. It is solving a lot of problems, and it's trying to transition in from a novice to an intermediate. So hopefully we can get them within a year or two into an elite-level lifter right. so we can progress their training. Solving a lot of problems. What do you mean? So, you know, movement analysis, strengths and weaknesses. Okay. You know, maybe they have poor nutritional habits, right. I mean, sleep patterns, it's everything trying to get them into being like you would handle the same way we would a professional athlete. Right. So in the off-season, what does the off-season look like as far as like daily thought process? Because I mean, off-season, I mean, you're training a lot of dudes, a lot of days. A lot of dudes, a lot of days. Everybody's four days a week. Sometimes we go a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday split. Sometimes we do a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday split, depending on what we're doing and trying to achieve. Right. Um, we basically start at 6 in the morning, and we're, we're done every day at about 11. So get, let the guys, not, it's, not it's not bad. So it's very intense. It's very, you know, like I said, addressing certain problems and weaknesses from the season. You right. know, we, had done, we do a good job of doing a holistic approach. We sit down with the training staff and the nutrition staff with right. Coach Clark. We sit down with the football coaches. What do we need to work on? What do we need to improve? That sets the tone for what we do the rest of the year. So we write our whole year-long training program at the end of each season. So in wow. January, we sit down, and the whole year is mapped out based on what happened the year before. This year, like I said, for example, we lost 35 seniors. Ooh. So, you know, it's a different process. We need to get a little bit bigger this year. We need to get right. a little bit stronger. We need to spend more time. These guys need to spend more time developing these types of skills as opposed to these. Right. 
you know, looking at the injury report, you know, what do we need to improve in there? And, you know, we're looking at guys need to get bigger, we need to go to guys need to lose weight. Right. So it's 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 not just me sitting down. I there's no way I could do it. It has to sit down and everything we we do a great checks and balances system of you know, maybe this is a good idea, maybe this is not. So it is a decision on the training program is formulated that comes from about five different heads. Wow, that's great. Yep. So I skipped over this part. So you've got the in-season part with the developmental guys. Starts early in the morning. Right. Tell me about the rest of the day as far as the in-season because it's like Monday's this, Tuesday's this. Right, Tell me about right. the rest of the day on the in-season part. So in the in-season part, you know, th- those guys are coming. They're basically getting the guys that are playing are getting two lifts in a week. They're okay. lifting on Sunday after the game, then they're lifting on Thursday before the game. So, okay. yes, but throughout the process, throughout the day, as soon as we get through that lift in the morning, you're having guys come in and you're working guys. Basically, it's going to be return to play guys. Maybe a guy, a guy got hurt. He's got two or three weeks. we got to get him back. Maybe he's got a, he got hurt this weekend and it's injured. We think that we can get him back for the game. So right. the, the strength conditioning coach is going to do as much – Hand in hand with the ATC, the trainer, yep. and Trainers, yeah. so they're going to do their part of the movement stuff, and then they're going to do the strength and stuff, and then they're going to send them to us. Maybe it's some extra conditioning, maybe it's some some extra work for some strength side. Right. So I mean, you could think. I mean, you're, you're probably carrying during the season or the roster fifteen to twenty five guys of like it's week to week whether they're going to play or not. Wow. You know what I mean, so like wow. it's a constant process. Recovery. What do we need to do? So it's all hands on deck. So because you got to have your best product out there on the field every, every Saturday. Yeah, you know. Sounds like a constant communication between constant all the coaches, we, trainers, doctors. Right, we, we meet three times a day as a staff, just from on the medical side. So the so Coach Clark, wow, the coordinators, uh, the ATC, the medical doctors, us, the nutritionists. We'll go in Coach Clark's office for three times a day and go over every single person that is maybe a question mark. And it's where are they right now? Where are they right now? Where are they right now? And then wow. outside of that, we're going to meet four or five times with the football staff throughout the day of where it is. So it, it is a constant. It's this machine that is that right. is in high gear during the season. What do you do during practice? Because I mean, you are morning practice. We're, we're afternoon afternoon practice. Afternoon okay. practice during the season. We do morning okay. practice in the in the spring. Gotcha. So what is what is your Job like when practice. So we have, a lot of people think strength strength guys' jobs. Oh over. no 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 no, we're rolling. So we've got we've got five guys that we utilize in the weight room, for, okay. just from the strength standpoint. And basically, we are we are warming up the guys before practice. We're you know we're helping the nutrition staff get the nutrition stuff ready for practice. Um, we're running what you call muscle beach. Those are guys that are out of practice, but we've got to keep in shape. Yep. We're doing return to play rehab guys. So there might be guys that had ACL surgeries or yeah. shoulder surgeries and are out for the season, but we're doing the return to play, and we have to do that during practice. And then yeah. basically I'm I'm running around coordinating all those things and actually, you know, moving from drill to drill, you know, it's, it's different things, maybe breaking up a fight here once in a while, oh, no doubt. pulling yeah. guys to the side, uh, pulling guys that need stretching in between, right. you know, just you're constantly moving. And everybody, if you were to look at them and watch one of our practices, it's constant movement, constant rotation, not only with the players. There's no players standing on the Ever. side. There's, 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 you're doing something at all times. It's the same way with the staff. Wow. So go to practice. What's, what's it look like for you after practice? Because here we are. We start at 5 in the morning. We're right. probably at 4 or 5 in the afternoon. We're at 12 hours already. Right. Po- yeah, post-practice, we are basically you know, checking in on all the guys, doing an injury report as well, setting up the stuff for the, for the next day with the developmental group because right. they come in so early. 
we have to go ahead and have that set up. Right. And, and then, then you're coming up and you're meeting with the staff at night and going over what's going on with the next day. You know, those guys are breaking down film and doing stuff. We usually get out of here about 7.30 or 8, but those guys are staying to 10 midnight every so, time. So you're, you're 13, 14 hours. 13, 14, easy. And it's seven days a week. You know, it's, yeah. it's seven days a week. During the year. Yes. Um, so do you love your job? Love it. Why? Uh, it's the main thing to me is – it's not what I originally got into it for, but but what you know, coach like coach says, it's a it's it, this is like a calling. You yeah, know what I mean, for so sure. It's one hundred percent to me now about developing guys and and young men and molding them right. for the future. And it's it's what it's about to me. All right, so let's go ahead outside and walk around for a little bit. Tell me about growing up. Athlete, obviously, you know, right. superior athlete. No, I don't know <laughs> about that. Tell no. me about tell me about growing up. Your your parents and. You know, sports has obviously been a big influence in your life, so give me a, give me some background. Well, I grew up in the uh, state of Arkansas. You know, I grew up in a town, born in a town called Warren, Arkansas. Okay. We moved all over. My dad was changing jobs a little bit. So what did he do? He did all types of things from real estate, but his main thing he did was uh, uh, lumber salesman. So he was in charge of a big lumber salesman. So sales. Sales. He was a salesman. He's a salesman. He was a salesman. So yeah, um, we actually moved to Little Rock for a little while, then moved back to Warren, Arkansas, and uh, that was there for about twelve years until I graduated high school. Okay. And uh, so football, you so were you a football guy growing up? Did you play everything? I, played, I didn't the... play football until I was twelve. I played soccer. Basketball. That's right. Didn't play football till I didn't like... play basketball until I was <laughs> football till I was twelve. So I was a basketball, soccer guy, and then got into football. Of course, you know, played all the sports, baseball growing up. Yeah, for sure. But then got until I was of age, about 16, and got really big into track and field. Okay. That was my big thing. So, so what did you do? How did, how did you transition into, like, football kind of being your thing? Well, you know, I, you know really, I, I'd always loved football. Yeah. I'd always begged my mom and dad to play. You know, we didn't really have tackle football to 12, which was actually a blessing. It's now. a blessing. Very much a blessing. So, you know, I, got, I was always a big football fan growing up. Right. Dad was a big college fan. Mom was a big college fan. So okay. Big thing was watching college ball on the weekends, watching pro ball on Sunday. Right. And then uh, in my ninth grade year, I started getting recruited a little bit, recruiting letters because I had good size. That's crazy. Up. Yeah. So it was, uh, you know, I started realizing, you know, maybe this is something I could do. Right. And you know, I had no idea that you could get a scholarship, go to college for free, get, for free, and get paid now, for it. Now, here's a question I get a lot: When did you start like lifting weights? I started lifting weights. I got my first weight set when I was 11 years old. Right. So, but okay. my, that was like I wanted to play football. Right. And so, of course, mom and dad, well, if you're gonna play football, you got to be able to protect yourself. So right. For sure. Got me the old school weight set. You know, yeah. the old the plastic weights with the sand inside. And so right. I started doing stuff on my own. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, mom and dad got me down at the local YMCA. We were the smallest town in the nation with a YMCA. That's cool. So it was really cool. So we had a personal trainer down there, me and all my friends. Uh, we met with just one day a week and just kind of showed us what to do as a guy in high right. school who, you know, no certifications or anything, just kind of knew what he was doing. So yeah. kind of showed that's us the, the That's ropes. key. 10, 11, 12 years old, starting to lift weights, getting right. into football. Well, excuse me, ninth grade. So well, how did it progress from there? Did you just stop playing everything else and start playing football? You know, you just kind of we started concentrating on, you know, my thing was I started to, uh, I was a real tall, skinny kid. You know, real skinny. I think in my in ninth grade, I was I was six one, about one hundred and twenty eight pounds, like super skinny. So like, coaches were like, if you want to have a chance, but I was fast. You, know, so that's, you can that's move. Save me. That's yeah, to save me. Yeah, but so the coaches were like, you need to gain some weight. So right. you can't play all these sports and gain weight at the same time. If you want to have a chance to play in college, okay. 
So my thing was, you know, if I was going to have a true off season, I kind of noticed this early on. I'd actually went to a football camp at Arkansas and met John Stuckey. He was a legend in the strength conditioning field. He's passed yes. away. John Stuckey, yes. legend. So he wasn't here at Tennessee for a while. He was at Tennessee for a long time, but he was at right. Arkansas when I went up there. And okay. He actually took the time to sit down with me and explain the importance of having an off season. So when I came back, I was like, I'm going to run track and field because I like it and I want to stay fast. And the rest of the time, I'm trying to get bigger for football. So I walked away from baseball and basketball, and that's kind of where my interest in strength conditioning started. So when did you start getting recruited? Like Started getting recruited. Like for real recruited. For real recruited in my junior year. After my right. junior year, I, started, I was getting letters and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. You know, everybody's getting questionnaires to fill up, yeah. going to camps. But I played a little bit my sophomore year. Okay. And my, my junior year, I started both okay. ways, and that's when I started getting heavily recruited. I was, hey, I was blessed enough. I was getting heavily recruited. You know, I had I had offers from I had SEC offers before the SEC was the SEC really for sure. Like, so it was you know I had I had been mad Ole Miss Arkansas you know LSU was looking at me all these a lot of mid majors and you know of course Louisiana Tech and some schools like that. So where did you what did you pick where did you decide to go? Ended up going to Louisiana Tech went there they had, they were the first ones that really extended me my Ruston Louisiana Ruston Louisiana went down there only an hour and a half from my house. That's huge. That was huge. One of my teammates from the year before went there so I felt comfortable there. Okay. And I just went down there and I loved it and I loved it and it was kind of a deal and everybody thought I was going to go to Arkansas or Ole Miss pick between one of yeah. those two teams and ended up going to with Louisiana Tech and I got a late push from Notre Dame at the end. Because the coach that recruited me at Louisiana Monroe went up there and extended me an offer. And, so and, well, let me make sure I understand yes. this correctly. So you had an offer from Arkansas and Ole Miss, mm -hmm. but then late one from Notre Dame, Notre Dame and you and stayed in the, Ruston I instead did, of going to Notre. Who was the head coach of Notre Dame at the time? It was, uh, I think it was it Davey? just translated Bob Davy, maybe. Anyway, it's it's Notre Dame. Trying to think of who it is. It was it was a guy. He's he's an he's an announcer now. I'm trying to think yeah, of his name. But it, it was right after Holtz. So it was right after, right after so Holtz. So that's 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 kind of, I mean that's not typical. Everybody kind of wants to. So right, what, what, right. what made it just stay stay in, in Rust? Well, my mom convinced me that the it was real cold and women were going to be ugly. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a big one. No, one of the big things was, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of saw the right. I'd been, I was always been a loyalty guy, right? You know, and from they had been on me since day one. I'd already committed to them. Gotcha. And I felt, I felt very. There's a lot to be said to that. It was, it was, and and you know what? If I had to do it all over again, I'd do it again. Gotcha. Awesome. Hey, let's go inside. Yep. You decided to pick Louisiana Tech over Notre Dame and Arkansas yes. and Ole Miss. So yes. tell me about college and. You met Stucky, which we'll come. That'll that'll kind of we'll come back okay. to that in a minute. But okay. like, because if a lot of people don't know, they're watching this or listening to this. Stucky's like the man, legendary. And when it comes to strength conditioning, yes. Like I remember seeing his name when I would get um, pamphlets with my dad. Oh yeah. When he was like at coaching clinic, he right. was always on there if it had anything to do with strength conditioning. Because right. He was he's the man. So we'll get back to that in a second. Sure. But so so you go to Louisiana Tech. Tell me about that experience in Ruston. Great experience, you know, kinda of, it was a small town, right. big university. We weren't very good when we first got there, mm -hmm. you know, athletically, but we ended up being pretty dang good by very the time good. we left there. Yep. And so uh, you know, met my friends for life, uh, yep. wouldn't change anything, just I was running a, a bunch of unbelievable coaches at the time. There's right. I mean, I think my freshman year, at least my sophomore year, like my my position coach was Bronco Mendenhall, who is at Virginia. The head coach and, they, 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 at Virginia's. Oh yeah. Um, you know, um 
golly, I mean, our GAs were unbelievable. Like our G Pete Carmichael, who's offensive coordinator, yeah. junior, who's offensive coordinator for the Saints. Yeah. Um, and he's he's one of our graduate assistants at the time. Uh, the guy was the guy that was in the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, end up uh, catching the cancer of the head coach. Oh, um, I cannot think. Of I know you're talking about uh, um, his son, who, who's the defensive coordinator in the NFL now, right. was one of our other GAs. Um, just who was the head coach? Guys. It was Joe Raymond Peace, who's like a father to me at, to this day. But then Gary Croton came in as offensive yeah. coordinator and took his his spot as the head coach. And okay. so Coach Croton was one of the first guys introduced a spread. Now, if you could run four six or better, he moved everybody. I was a I was a safety. I played safety my first year. And then linebacker, and then if you could run four six or better, basically he put everybody on offense. So I moved to tight, played tight end my last two years there, and it got to play in that offense. It was really cool. So uh, we were talking about this earlier. We were talking about playing with Tim Rattay, who, mm -hmm. in my opinion, I really think in my mind, if he would have been in a what what we call now a power five school, he would have been like the Todd Detmers. Oh and, sure, uh, sure. You know the big record setters. Sure. So he brought in. I remember watching him playing against y'all because we played against each other. Mm -hmm. we, we, just, we just realized that we played right. against each other in college. I, Thinking how crazy it was that it was. he had such good talent around him, but he was so good. I tell my son all the time. My son's only seven, but I tell him all the time to keep playing quarterback. Right, is accuracy. Sure. And Tim could hit a nat on the bulls' balls. He was the epitome of throwing you open. I mean, I he agree. would throw you open every time. He was really good, really good quarterback. So you're in college. In my opinion, college is about experiences, not not as much about the classroom. And right. so the travel, the growing up, the having to do things, that was a big deal. But like, yes. tell me, like, looking, as you're in college, what do you think in your mind, I'm going to go do this? Because I knew I was going to go coach college football. What right. You right. You know, I was in actually in pre-law. I had done all stuff leading up to law school. I was going to be a lawyer wow. and have my bomb. And the reason I wanted to be a lawyer is because it involved less math. I wasn't very strong Amen. in math. There you you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was, I was a good reader. Though. Right. There you go. And, uh, you know, it's like law is the way to go. But, you know, the more and more I spent more time around my strength coach in college, Matthew Fitz, you know, okay. and I've been introduced earlier, like we talked about with Coach Stuckey. I, I feel I had a passion for this. Right. So I come in my senior year, and it's like I want to change majors to uh, fitness wellness. And, of course, I lose 30-something hours, and the coach is trying to talk me out of it. My mom right. and dad always been very supportive above me. And they were yeah. like, you know, if that's what you want to do, then do it. For sure. And lo and behold, I changed to, the, to uh, fitness wellness. I mean, you know, my grades start coming up. I'm more tuned in. I realize it's a passion for what I had to do. And I noticed the, the lifestyle is going to be a little bit different from what I was yeah. wanting to do, you know. But uh, my head coach uh, from the, earlier we talked about, Joe Raymond yeah. Peace, he had a connection with Al Miller, who's a legendary strength coach. Right. And Coach Miller got me a graduate assistant spot at Alabama and the rest of this history will go from there. So people, some people know this, some people don't know this. Watching this, a graduate assistant is like an intern position at yes. a Fortune 500 company. Yes. So in essence, you got an internship at a Fortune 100 company. Like yes. yes. University of Alabama. Yes. Uh, no matter what stage of their peak, their, their peak in their reign or sure. their, their trough, it's, it's, big, it's, it's big Alabama. Football. It's big boy football. It's Alabama. Yeah. So you are go from, from Arkansas, go to Ruston, at Louisiana Tech playing there, and then you go to a GA at Alabama. So yes. for those who don't know what a GA is, like I said, it's like an internship. You don't make any money, ten, right. fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a year. You go to school, but you work 60, 70, 80 hours a week sure. all the time. So tell us about that experience at Alabama. It was great, you know, being exposed to um, with Terry Jones there, oh, and, then, and then and then Ben Pollard, so and yep. then you know just I mean, and then we would go intern. We would go take a couple weeks and go with Coach Miller up to Atlanta. He was at the Falcons, yep. so it was a perfect deal, and just. 
just being a sponge and absorbing all of those things and just you know experiences of you know and what you need to do the intricacies of strength conditioning it was a you know unbelievable part of my life so from going from a GA what was the next step after that you know, a spot opened up back in my own model, Louisiana Tech, an assistant spot opened up. Okay. So I actually went back to Louisiana Tech as an assistant, and there was a guy there named Eric Ciano, who's the head strength coach at Buffalo Bills. Gotcha. And then a guy named Damon Harrington was the guy I played with, who's now the head guy at Grambling, has been over head guy at Cal, he's been at Georgia Tech, he's been all over. So, Unbelievable. you know, I get back, Damon gets promoted to the head job. We, I spend a summer with Ciano. Ciano ends up going to Tennessee and eventually works his way up to going right. to the NFL. Damon got the head spot. I got the assistant. When Damon ends up leaving with Ciano going to Georgia Tech, then I get the head spot within a year. So it, so you go from being a GA to a head strength head strength conditioner to coach my own model within two years. So you're so, how old are you at this time? I'm 24 years old. You're 24 years, years old, old, and you're telling dudes that you probably played. I with. did. There were the, the senior, the the juniors and the seniors were freshmen and sophomores when I was there. So it was quite a transition. Something I really was not prepared for. I thought I was, but I wasn't. How did how do, how was that from a respect level? It was good from a respect level because I was always the guy that was in the weight room. You know, gotcha. I wasn't trying to tell him something. Like if you're a guy that's being lazy and skipping reps and coming all soon to hit strength coach, it's not going to work. But I was sure. a guy that always stayed after and did extra and was encouraging my teammates to come in and do extra. So right. I had that going for me. The good, so what the thing that I'm hearing is hard work is is pretty much prevalent in everything that we're doing. Absolutely. This and I th I'll say this, being in college and playing college football, if you can survive the five years, I don't say survive, it sounds negative. If you can get through the, the five years, four or five years of doing that, and you still want to be in that business, that means you, A, enjoyed it, and it is one of your passions, but also that you've you put in a lot of hard work. So, no doubt. So you're at Louisiana Tech. How long were you at Louisiana Tech as a head, head guy? I was there for two years. Then what? And then I went moved into the private sector. Okay. So I love this because yes. that's what I did. Right. We had an interview before, B.J. Ellis, you used to college basketball coach, you went to the private sector. Yeah. So tell me about, number one, why did you transition from being a head strength coach to your alma mater, which is a Very, big deal. Right. Because right. You, you bleed there, you sweat there, and you've got family there. I mean, it's a big deal. Why did you do, leave there after two years and go do the private thing? So my wife, you know, we were trying to start a family. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm working all 14 sports leagues in a tech with no assistance, no interns, no GAs. Wow, so 2,500 kids. It's, it's unbelievable. And it, it's 14 to 16 hours a day, year-round, nonstop. And so, you know, I enjoyed the work. I loved what I was doing. My wife was... You know, I married a girl I met at Alabama. She's a softball player. She wanted to start a family. Okay. Well, we wanted to start a family. She was from the Gulf Coast area. She was from Robertsdale, right outside of basically yeah. Daphne Spanish Fort. And, you know, the pay at that time really wasn't great in the college level. Right. And so I have buddies that are in the private sector, uh, one, one of them being Kurt Hester, who's at Louisiana Tech head strength coach now. Ironically. And just, just <laughs> yeah, just they're, they're, I, I'm, I've always followed them. And, you know, they're like, hey, you know, if you're going to spend this much time, you might as well get paid for it. And it's a little bit different thing. It's right. so you can control your, your own boss. It's very intriguing to me. Let's move down to Gulf Shores. We actually went moved down to Gulf Shores at the beginning. We're living at the beach. I always dreamed of living on the beach. Of course. Easy transition. It was great, right? But so did you have something going down there? I mean, did like, not. Did so not. it's like, hey, coach, I'm gone. Right. But And like, so you're another guy that left a job they loved. 
You loved yes, the job, but yes, you didn't yes, love all the There were some, there were some things there on the college level that you know I, I love it, didn't love it. There were some things that weren't going kind of the right way, so it was not a difficult decision for so, me. So tell me about the first, I don't know, twelve months being in Gulf Shores. With, I mean, I say it, no it job. Was, it was, it, it was no job. There was, it was not easy. I thought I was wow. going to go down there and just smoke it. <laughs> Little did I know, I didn't do my <laughs> due diligence. Like I said, that in the private sector. I know a ton of great strength coaches right. that didn't make it that were terrible businessmen, but I know a lot of great businessmen that weren't exactly uh, great uh, coaches that are, are still thriving still and to prospering that. today. So well, I didn't do my due diligence. I went down there and thought I'd kill it. And now, first of all, I'm moving to a, uh, a tourist town with nobody there in the off season. So, no doubt. So big mistake. You are... You know you know your stuff from a strength condition. Sure. Com- plenty of confidence there. But yep. what you're saying is... The business acumen was not there. Was not there. There was zero of that there. So zero business. Well, I mean, I didn't have any either when I got out of it. Right. So it's what's something you learn. We it sounds like we learned it on the fly. So, right. so give me a, give me a snapshot of that. How that how that went. What the process was because I mean it's interesting. So you know, after about a year of struggling, kind of on my own, doing odd jobs, training little people here and there, I met a guy who was actually another protege of Al Miller, okay. who was in the Daphne area, and we kind of we teamed up, and I moved up towards the Daphne area, which at the time it was just, I mean, Pat White had just came out of there and went to, went to West right. Virginia, and these guys were just starting to, that place was getting to be a hotbed. I mean, it was just the guys that were coming out of the area, it was unbelievable, the Mobile Daphne area, Spanish Fort, Fairhope, and so we kind of teamed up and formed this thing, and we started double-teaming everything, hitting these high schools, training these guys, and it started blowing up. Hustling. Right, and so, we, and, and then so that things started just snowballing, and we actually, I branched off of that and formed my own thing called the Athlete Factory. Okay, so when you're with this guy, what? okay, so I hear this a lot. Matter of fact, I had a conversation about this yesterday about two guys that worked together. Yep. One broke off. Was there any bad blood when you broke off? Uh, maybe a little bit, but, you know, we had a mutual respect for each other, so not for really. Sure. You know, he was more into the personal training side of it, you know what I mean? And I was all about the athlete. Okay. And I was all about the athlete, which... You know, it cost me. He always he was a great businessman, and he, he you know he kept those boot camps going year round. I, I really wasn't my thing, but I did have it going on to pay the bills and actually right. form some great relationships ships with some people. So, so you broke off from him. Athlete Factor is that what it's called? Yes. So, what year is this? Do you remember? This is two thousand and nine. So two thousand nine, you're doing the Athlete Factor. You've been down in Mobile for two years now. Four. So four years now. Yes. So you kind of him hauled around for a year. You got yep. with your buddy. Y'all did something together for three years, and I know some of the guys you trained. Right. Some boy dogs. Yes, ended up, I mean, working with 17 first-round, eventual first-round picks. That's crazy, y'all. And uh, over 50 guys that played in the NFL. And that, and then that's not kind of ba- the basketball, the baseballs. I mean, the place is an unbelievable fertile ground for athletes. And I hit it at the right time. So like right. I said, as, as soon as this place was snowballing, my company was snowballing with it. So the athlete factor is growing. Um, tell me how long you did that. I did that until the Athlete Factory lasted until about 2013. Okay. And in 2013, I had caught the attention of D1 Sports Training, who wanted to open a facility down there, and ended up selling my business to D1 Sports Training and working for them on a national level, go around training their combine guys throughout the, throughout the nation. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and all the other episodes of Entrepreneur Dad with Thomas Cox. We loved interviewing Lyle Henley. 
It was a fantastic listen, and we've got part two of our interview with him next week. Now, if you want to learn a little bit more about the show or reach out to us, please check out our Facebook page or email us at entrepreneurdad1 at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much. Make sure to tune in next week.